last six months, you know, when I was retired for six months, uh, I got more and more depressed by the day. And I'd get home, say it's like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Now what? Now yeah. what do I do? And I'd sit there and I'd do nothing. I'd play video games and then it's literally like counting the sunsets till I die. That's mm -hmm. it. I'm 35 years old and I'm sitting here waiting to die. I love life. You know, there's so many great parts about it, but I lost that balance with my work life. You force it, you force it, you force it, and you don't enjoy it. All right, Advancers, today I have a special guest on the podcast, a serial entrepreneur, stock trader, investor, consultant, Matt Kirchner, retired at the age of 34. Yes. <laughs> he, lived, he, lived, he lived the American dream. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But Matt, what is your story coming up on becoming a millionaire? It's something that very few people will ever achieve in their lifetime. Yeah, you know? I've uh, I've been broke multiple times. Like uh, back in Ohio, went from sales position that I hated, got me into things that weren't beneficial to me or positive to my life. I think I've gone all in probably five times in my life, but from Mentor, Ohio, which is about 20 minutes east of Cleveland, and I was raised in the suburb, always had everything I needed. There were always people who had more than me, but there's always somebody who has it worse than you. So I um, decided to have my own personal training business after I worked at a great place that went out of business. Uh, the guy's now the trainer for Steve Miocic, who last night just became the heavyweight champion again, oh, which nice. is great. Cleveland's excited. Um, but yeah, I left there and went out onto my own. Uh, I was becoming pretty successful. I made 70 bucks my first week. When I got to about 350 bucks a week, I knew I was starting to get a little excited, <laughs> thinking, hey, maybe this could work, and just ran with it. Um, got to the point I was making probably like 60 or 70,000, a good living wage, and mm -hmm. got divorced. And at that point, I had wanted to move out west into the mountains for six or seven years. So I just, there was nothing left for me there. I didn't drink or anything, which is, you know, Cleveland is drinking and eating. That's what we have. <laughs> so I just gave it all up. I traded in my Chevy Cavalier, got a used trailblazer, four-wheel drive, packed up all my stuff and headed to headed to Utah. I didn't know anybody. I didn't I didn't have a job lined up, but it all worked out and I definitely attribute that to the practices that I started implementing into my life that you always preach on your podcast, uh -huh. you know, uh, especially meditation, which mm -hmm. I could talk about more or not. But I think that's the number one most important thing that I started doing. It just seemed like everything in the universe started coming together when I started meditating. In life, there's pivotal moments. Yeah. And I want to dissect that pivotal moment when you, you left your hometown, you left the comfort. What was the inkling? What yeah. was the inspiration? A couple things is number one, I asked myself what I wanted. And I don't think a lot of people do that. I asked myself what, what I wanted and I didn't know. I had no idea. All I knew was I wanted to try new things. I started snowboarding, right? A year later, I switched over to skis and I've been doing it ever since. I ski 70 days a year. Um, that's why I wanted to be out in the mountains. And it was the first time that I went to Denver, Colorado, that I was just blown away by the mountains. I did not want to come back. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to stay there. But certain things you have to go through and experience and get to the end of that path and realize on, you know, take a right turn now. So those paths ended and there was really nothing left for me in Ohio. And I'm like, well, now I might as well. Mm -hmm. So with the meditation, that 
changed my life for the positive. I started meditating. It was really, really difficult. You know, you get like 30 seconds and then all of a sudden your mind's flooded with thoughts and images and then you got to get back into it. But eventually you get to the point where you just get better and better at it. And I think what happened there, I don't think I know, this is what I felt, is I was able to communicate with my spirit again. There was always this fog or this block or this cloud that kind of stopped me from communicating with my spirit. And I was not happy, like not happy at all. Uh, not a lot of people know this about me who know me, but, mm-hmm. you know, I was on a uh, was on a downward path. I hated my job. Mm-hmm. It was literally I'd get out and I'd count down the hours till I had to go back, even on the weekends. It was terrible. I couldn't mm-hmm. live that way. So what was I doing? I was smoking over a pack of cigarettes a day smoking weed every night, drinking every night, not just drinking, getting drunk, you know, and uh, I knew that wasn't me. And that's what meditation brought out is that it brought out me again. And me was not happy. I was depressed. I was, it was pretty hard to accept, but it got me onto the path to knowing who I am and where I wanted to go and where I wanted to be. And I think I always self-sabotage myself in businesses uh, because I knew I wanted to be out West. So it's like, well, I don't want to build this and then have to leave it and grow and grow my roots. So eventually it was just, boom, pull the trigger and do it. Take the leap of faith. I'm actually really curious because I, f- I feel like you could bridge an audience for this meditation, how to mm-hmm. meditate, right? You're, you're, you're from the heart of the U.S., Ohio, yeah. right? So... <laughs> So being an Ohio boy in the South, in, in the Midwest, like it just seems like meditation is the furthest thing from everyone's mind. What recommendations do you have? Any books, any, anything of that nature? I, I can say for me, a guided meditation by yes. Deepak Chopra, which was so random because I never, I never had an affinity towards Deepak at all. But he just had such a, a mastery of guiding you into a deep meditation. Mm-hmm. The first time I was able to meditate and get, get into that place of stillness, so Zen meditation, where the ambiguity, the voices in your head, the, all of that just it was gone. And when you reach there with guided meditation, you no longer need guided meditation. You just need to breathe. But having that initial awareness or gaining that initial awareness was, was a paradigm shift for me. What recommendations? What? How did you get into it? I think Deepak Chopra is great. Uh, I knew I got into yoga a little bit. I do it every Sunday because mm-hmm. something about fantasy football it would just give me so much anxiety. You know, wanting to control something that's out of your control, and I'd go to yoga and I would literally not have any thoughts. I'd forget about everything in the outside world, and then I'd kind of be sitting there breathing at the end of class, and I'm like, oh yeah, like I have work tomorrow you know, all of a sudden my brain starts telling me things I should be stressed out again, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. out about again. Um, I think Deepak Chopra is great. He's a spiritual leader. I've felt a lot of connection with Wayne Dyer. He actually has like CDs that I would listen to in my car. That's guided meditation. Plus like something about his voice. Just what I used to do is I had uh, two full-time jobs. And when I'd go from one to the other, I'd either take a nap or I'd listen to that. And uh, what I did was I just started focusing on my breath, paying attention to my breath. And as soon as I'd become conscious of, hey, I'm thinking about stuff now, need to quiet those thoughts, I'd go right back just into concentrating on either, you know, if you're breathing through your mouth or through your nose, the air going in, feeling that, the air going out, feeling Mm -hmm. that. And then you just get better and better at it. People get really discouraged because they suck at it at first. And that's how I was too. I just... 
you know, it just, things in my life just started getting better and better. And it literally felt like the universe was working for me. You know, things would line up when I moved to Utah a month before I saw a guy at the gym that I hadn't seen in 10 years that I used to play baseball with. He said, Hey, I just bought a one-way ticket to Utah. I'm going to BYU to be a dentist. I'm like, no way. That gave me such a sense of comfort. And it kind of kept out the loneliness, Mm -hmm. you know, that, Oh, I'm going to know somebody, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, uh, I taught at the National Personal Training Institute in Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. The owner of it contacted me and said, hey, they're opening one in West Jordan, Utah. You'd be great for that. I said, I'd be really interested in that. And I didn't end up doing that, but it just gave me that sense of comfort. Like this is what you want to be doing. This is where you want to be. So just keep, you know, working towards that direction. When I did move to Utah, I worked at the Treehouse Athletic Club for four and a half years. And that was a great experience. You know, that was a phenomenal experience. And I love everybody there. It's like my Utah family. That's awesome. It was just like I came out here knowing nobody. I'd be up at 5 a.m. in the gym by 545. And then it's like kind of made me kind of forget about all the hurt for a little bit. You know, and I did meet my first business partner in Utah out there. And uh, I guess we kind of got sidetracked and kind of stopped talking about like when I did get to Utah. Yeah. But um tying in meditation with that and the universe working with you and for you when you state your intentions and you decide what you want and you make a decision, it's very hard to do. But when you start to see the way the puzzle pieces Mm -hmm. kind of fit together, it's pretty incredible. Like I was initially taking a 14 day vacation. I had, you know, never lived in the mountains. I wanted to go on hikes. I wanted, you know, just uh, to explore a little bit because I knew nothing out here. And something like day 10, I remember it was day 10. And all I heard about was the Treehouse Athletic Club. I had like four interviews lined up at Gold's Gym, Life Center, Treehouse, and like maybe one or two other ones. And I didn't even meet anybody. I didn't step foot in there. I canceled all those other interviews. I bought a a pair of slacks and a collared shirt, which I didn't have because I just had the bare essentials, my clothes, my books, and my ski gear in my little Chevy Trailblazer. And uh, something, just motivation that I didn't, I almost didn't have a choice about it. It's just, I have to do this today. I have to do this today. And I was like, ready to like Mm -hmm. four more days of vacation. It's like, no, I'm ready now. And so I walked in there, you know, and I said, here's, you know, is there a manager available? I said, here's my resume. I'm looking for a full-time personal trainer position. If it's not available, I'm happy to work the front desk until one becomes available. You know, I left, they called me five minutes later. They said, can you come in for an interview? I'm like, hell yeah, mm-hmm. I'll come right now. I got nothing else going on. So they interviewed me and they had me come back for a second interview. The next day they said, we were ready to hire somebody else literally right before you walked in or and you walked in, you know, and they decided that I was better. You know, I, I felt great about that and, and they chose me. It's that's a really cool. and good that, feeling. That's something that it, it's really tough. Even for me, I've been meditating for many, many years. One of the hardest relationship breakups I've ever had. If I didn't have meditation, I don't know where I would be. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And so getting into that space, one of the best things I could say is if you want to curve that entire process of sitting down and trying to control your mind from going from zero to 100, mm-hmm. it's it's very difficult. But one of the tools that I've I've seen in my own life um, and experienced myself and taught other people is if you could do deep breaths rapidly, you know, 15, 20, 30 deep breaths rapidly, 
in through the nose, out through the mouth, very, very aggressive. Yeah. The last breath you take, if you hold an extension and you, you exhale all of the air out of your lungs, you will get into a deep meditation like that. Yeah, so yeah. however long it takes you to take those deep breaths, if it's 10, 20, 30 seconds, imagine getting to a place that could take you weeks or months of practice or even years of practice in just breathing from novice to that. And so that's, that's an interesting. Yeah, I remember you talking about that mm-hmm. when we had lunch the other day. Yeah. That was really interesting to me. So but breath retention is like, it's like putting pause on life. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we're not taught breath retention a lot in, in yoga. It's, it's rhythmic breathing in yoga, meditation, even tantra practices. They all came from a, um, a, a ceremony that was created or that was that's mentioned in the Rig Veda. So in Hindu text about 50,000 times. And so they say all of these practices came out of that. But also what came out of it, it was the Soma ceremonies was breath uh, retention. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Kumbhaka. And Kumbhaka is the ability to so ancient yogis and rishis believe that it's not how much or how well you breathe. Or it's not how much you breathe, how much oxygen you take in. It's how effective you use your oxygen. Right. And so they implement breath retention in almost everything. That's like not breathing. I think you talked about that in one of your first podcasts. You mm-hmm. talked about that, how important breathing was, mm-hmm. feeling it through your diaphragm and through your stomach, not so much yes, lifting yes. up. But yes, yes. Yeah. And so not, not only anatomically, but also letting the breath leave and holding yeah. That space. And so now it's called intermittent hypoxic training. So the Russians coined this because they were trying to become the best athletes in the Olympics. Obviously, Russia's just beast at everything. So the intermittent hypoxic training, what they found through research is when you hold a breath retention, it, it signals the brain that something's wrong. If you can get past that initial urge to want to breathe. What it does is it shoots and fires off neurons in your brain. It lights that shit up like fireworks, Mm -hmm. and then it increases the blood flow to your brain as well. So you can get into this really, really high conscious, high cognitive functioning state by doing breath retention. But no no one's doing it. It's so funny how you mentioned that the spiritual affects the physical, Mm -hmm. physical blood flowing to the brain. Mm -hmm. And right before we got on this podcast, I was talking to you about quote, the pyramid, unquote, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, I could talk about that more, but everything seems to affect each other. If if you want to start meditating, maybe start exercising because your exercise, your your fitness goes up, your physical strength, your uh, physical capacity goes up, then your mental, uh, your spiritual and your emotional have to catch up and they will. Mm -hmm. So if you start meditating, your spirit's going to come alive. It's not going to be happy if if you have 100 pounds on you, you know, so take care of you, meditate, then you're going to get motivation out of nowhere to go lose that weight. You don't need a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. They're there to help. You can get one. That's great. But you're going to want to go walk on the treadmill. You're going to go want to walk out. So you're going to want to go on a hike and you're going to lose that weight. And then your physical shape is going to get better and better and better. You're going to feel better. And you just want to want to be better overall. You're going to start reading. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to start being able to control your emotions, not acting off emotion. And I always called that the pyramid. It just kind of mm-hmm. hit with me as a metaphor. You look at a pyramid mm-hmm. and you got the four points. And that's one thing that clicked with me when we had lunch the other day is you mm-hmm. said, you know, physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yep, this is, this, there's a connection to this guy somewhere. Yes, yep. So, <laughs> you know, you grow that pyramid tall, but you need a bigger base. So you have to focus on all four. You grow that pyramid 
taller and taller. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you have a presence, you know, and mm -hmm. that's one thing I, I think I've noticed people will say like, you have such a presence about you and I'm six foot four, I'm 215 yeah. <laughs> pounds, but that's not, not what just gives me physical, that presence. Yeah. Energetic you know, spiritually, yeah. if you're, I, I'm a sensitive guy, so I mm -hmm. could pick up on energy a lot. I used to be able to know who's walking through the door whenever it closed with my back turned when I was at my old workplace. Just that's amazing. I, it was just, Oh, that's him. You turn around and it's him, you know? So you know, you develop that presence and people can, well, people can feel you across the room anyways. You just want to feel that positivity and, you know, leadership presence. Mm -hmm. But one builds on this pyramid, like you said, and kind yeah. of stacks up by doing the practices, doing the small things over and over. So for, for me, I do understand and recognize for you that it's you have control over your the physicality of your body. Mm -hmm. When you want to add muscle, you know how to add muscle. When you want to lose fat, you know how to lose fat. So having that control over your physical life over, you know, over that, it just it removes the the negative or the ambiguity or the, the, the self-talk that you'd have of like, I don't look good right now. Exactly. Like, I don't feel good about myself. I don't exactly. look good. So coming from a guy who who has been on stage was an NPC. Yeah, NPC. Uh, I did one. My okay. wife is she's the national shows, but <laughs> doesn't do, yeah, yeah, don't undermine it. Regardless, <laughs> you, you put yourself out on the limb, you know, you you went out there and, and, and you trained. It's not easy to do that, you know. No, obviously. Uh, that's <laughs> the hardest thing I've done in my life. I always mm -hmm. told people if I knew I could be work that hard, I'd be playing professional baseball right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I would have worked a lot harder through high school and college. Exactly. So you have the experience to bring that that advice through, which yeah. is what I'm getting at. And mm -hmm. then talking about your wife as well, would you say that you wouldn't be where you currently are without your significant other? Oh, not a chance. She pushes me and she brings me back down to earth a little bit, which I need that balance mm -hmm. uh, in everything. You know, they always say behind a great man, there's an even greater woman. Mm -hmm. And I found that one. So mm -hmm. that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's something I'm very fortunate for. Uh, we always talk and say, you know, how grateful we are to have the relationship that we have. It doesn't mean it's easy. Mm. It's hard. It's you, you got to be putting in twice the effort in your relationship than you are into your businesses because it, it matters more. It's what makes the, the businesses worth working at. You know, when you can give somebody something else, when you could, you know, help 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 them with what they're working on they help you with what you're working on and and it's a team you know we um we always say team manny her name is annie um, <laughs> it's team manny you know all the way yeah, so yeah. you know uh uh it's it's a team all the way it's not one person it's both people you know and it can't succeed without that in my opinion do you have any stories readily to mind where there's like a moment where if she wasn't there, didn't give you advice, didn't give you an extra push, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. In the last six months, you know, mm -hmm. when I was retired for six months, uh, I got more and more depressed by the day. You know, it was just literally, I got into video games more, mm -hmm. sit there, not, you have a false sense of accomplishment and I have an addictive personality. So I get addicted to video games and I'm so goal oriented that I have to finish that and do everything in the game, you know, and then it's just, you know, or I'd go mountain biking or skiing, which is a big part of my life. Uh, and I'd get home, say it's like 12 o'clock, one o'clock. It's, it's now what, now yeah. what do I do? And I'd sit there and I would do nothing. I'd play video games. And then it's literally like counting the sunsets till I die. That's mm -hmm. it. I'm 35 years old and I'm sitting here waiting to die, you know, and I don't, I love life. You know, there's so many great parts about it, but I lost that balance with my work life. And I thought I'd be skiing more. I thought I'd be mountain biking more, but I didn't ski any more than I already did. Mm -hmm. You know, you get 
more and more and you, you force it, you force it, you force it and you don't enjoy it. And so she just always had the attitude, like, I know you'll figure it out. I know you'll figure it out. I'm not worried. She's just always there. She's loyal to the bone, man. It's, it's, uh, that's, that's something you don't find a lot every day. I I feel like, um, or could be forced and it's not forced. she's the most loyal person ever. I, I just appreciate that always. And that I think just in general makes me want to give her everything, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, let's get to work. That's awesome. <laughs> let's go back. Let's, let's do it. And let's live the life we want to live you know, even more and more to the fullest and give back. That's so cool. And like, just to acknowledge everything you said, it is, it is rare when you have it. It's something, you know, that mm-hmm. it can't be put in words, really. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to articulate yeah. that, that type of connection. Yeah, that's um, not one of my strengths is articulating <laughs> what I'm thinking. I will say that right now. <laughs> no, you're doing great. I yeah, wish I was great. better at I'm it. I'm just saying, like, there's not many words that can, can yeah. define that. Yeah. That's, that, that type of beauty. Deep connections are really the point of life. And so talking about the retirement, you retired at 34. Yeah. You spent about six months living the life yeah quote unquote what people that's, spend 40 years of oh, their lives man. trying to get to and you're like this is not for me it's not what you think mm-hmm. you think it ends it never ends mm-hmm. like you gotta you gotta learn to love what you do not even so every every job or every business you're gonna have days where you just don't want to be there you're gonna be like oh man i can barely get out of bed today like uh just maybe joe paterno is a bad example because what happened at the end of his life you know with the penn state and everything Mm -hmm. but you look at him he was what in his 90s and he did it all up until he and then a month goes by and he dies you know he lived for that it never ends and you get a lot of retired people they get into a state of depression because mm-hmm. they feel lost. They feel like they're just waiting to die. And, you know, Tim Ferriss touches a lot about that in the four hour work week on how to practice things that fulfill you. And for me, it was business. I've been working full time since I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was sometimes two or three jobs, 80, 90, hundred hours a week. For me, it was, you know, when does it end? So every day I go in, I'm just like a means to an end, a means to an end, a means to an end. And if you look at it that way, then you get to retirement and you just wasted all that time, you know? And, uh, now I think I put myself in a position where I want to do it. I want to grow and I want to keep going. I just want to see what I could do. That's the whole reason I contacted you because Mm -hmm. I don't even know right now. I'm just kind of open to everything. Mm -hmm. And you know, just kind of putting myself out there and being ready for opportunities and seeing what life brings me and taking the opportunities that I want to take. Yeah, which but, can which can be scary because most people will will live in that space of not taking, not sending the message, yeah, not going and applying for the job, not quitting the job, not starting the new thing because they right. they're so afraid of judgment of external externalities that really don't matter at the end of the day or they're just missing out on other parts of life where they feel like you know you go into work for nine hours ten hours a day at something you hate you come home you're exhausted you don't have time or energy to do anything else it yeah. literally sucks the soul out yeah of you. so mm-hmm. um i don't know i just see it like we're not above anything no. we're not above washing dishes we're not above waiting mm-hmm. tables so if you want it go out and get it you're not above working two jobs you're not above working three jobs that's the beauty of living mm-hmm. in america is that they're out there you can go work two jobs make more than you spend take that extra invest the rest get a little lucky mm-hmm. and then boom you're there you're on it and it, it's going to take multiple failures 
you get all it takes is one you know that's all it takes oh dude multiple like yeah. dozens of failures yeah, dozens. and that's one of the things that the most <laughs> hundreds pro, pro, hundreds <laughs> of the most prolific people that i yeah. follow that i have been my mentors when you don't have the ability to have mentors yeah. based off of your environment or based off of where you grew up or whatever your your geographic location yeah. then read a fucking book right, right? Like, yeah. like read a book of somebody who took 30 years of their practices and of their processes and systems yeah. and their teachings and put it in a condensed 300 page yeah. why wouldn't you right. read a book right yeah. and so those that's what i say is like that's those have been my mentors so mm-hmm. the people i look up to go back to what you just said of they li- they work until they're 80 they work until because yeah. they love the process yes. because they gain self awareness they understood I would rather work three three jobs yeah. to work for this next thing that's going to fulfill me yeah. than work the same job for 30 years yeah. and then retire and then be like, oh, man, I spent I wasted my whole life for something yeah. that I didn't think was going to be this, exactly. sh- this boring. Yeah. Like there's nothing here, right? There's nothing here for me that's going to help me progress or grow or bring greater impact to to people, to you, mm-hmm. to your tribe, to the human tribe. Yeah. And so th- that's one thing I, I also wanted to touch on was I'm so glad that you reached out to me because I, I get consistently at least twice a week, people wanting to just jump on the podcast because you and I met in, in other contexts and I saw your character and I didn't know you were, you know, you were accomplished. I didn't know that you had retired at 34. The type of person you were had nothing to do with that. You weren't egotistical and like, I'm better than everyone else. <laughs> my fears is, uh, is like putting myself out there and being accused of that. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And it's just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm mm-hmm. putting myself out there. Whatever people want to say is great. If I can help you, great. If I can't, no worries. If I can't help anybody, then... I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. So your character reflects that. And I think what you just said, as far as being judged, you're going to be judged either way, doing shit or not. Someone was judging you for playing video games, you know, like all day, like might as well be judged for things that you're, you're putting yourself out there. And so for you, how did you get, where did that come from? Where does this, I I always like to deep dive this with my guests because the ones who, who know, they know, but it's really hard to teach the the uh, the concept of you got to become familiar with failure right so who taught you that was it just through the doing and obviously we learned through the doing but like where does that come from is it your genetics is your your dad is it yeah i think multiple things not just my dad but my mom as well you know i was fortunate to have great parents and it always gives you a sense of having something to fall back on if you do fail you know what i mean like you could always move back home into your basement you don't want to but you know, you could always do that. Whereas, you know, other people who don't have their parents in their life, they may have to live in their car and they may have to be open to that possibility and be okay with that. Mm. You know, so um, I just think I never brought attention to, I never had awareness to failure. So it, it was, you know, failure would happen and it just seemed like that's, it's a part of it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just as like, that's connected what's there. as results. You know, yeah. what next? Mm-hmm. Boom, on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know, don't dwell on it. My old baseball coach used to say something when we lost the game and it was like a tough loss. He's like, think about this for 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, you know, you go home, you think about it for 10 minutes, you start thinking about your game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, I carry that with me today. You know, it's like, why dwell on that? Learn from it. You know, and then next time it's going to come up again. It's going to come up again. Then it's like, wait a minute, last time this happened. So I'm going to go, I'm going to try this this time, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you succeed. You mentioned something one time where you said, you know, you go out and you 
create or purchase 25 businesses and one works, that's a success. Yes. You know, that one could be a multi-billion dollar business. You don't know. That is actually you know? a model. Yeah. on 24 yeah. other ones. They don't matter. Move mm-hmm. on. Don't Move dwell on. on that. Don't dwell on past relationships. Move on. Move mm-hmm. forward, not backwards. It gets better. Mm. That's, one of the things also that that's a lesson that I've learned that I continue learning, obviously living this game of life or living living this human experience is the only way beyond is through, mm-hmm. you know, and going through the emotions, feeling them and releasing them, not pretending like they don't exist, but recognizing them, labeling them and then releasing them. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I was um, 18 years old, I co-founded a, a streetwear brand. When that failed, it took me t- three years before I started another business. Yeah. Because it, wow. it affected me that much. And I, I, obviously, I was young, so I'm grateful that I was young when I got involved in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. But it did take me three years. And then when that business, when I had to scale the business and I had to go um, go do sales to scale the business, it, there was a time of kind of, uh, I had a bunch of product orders for this organic snack company, but it was a lot longer, right? Mm-hmm. Like you'd think you start it, you go to your first trade show with your booth, you get product orders, and then the money's coming in. But it wasn't that way. So yeah. I, was, I wanted to be the manufacturer. I wanted to be everything because I put so much work and blood right. and sweat and tears into that business that I was like, I'm not giving it to anyone. Right. And I was watching Shark Tank enough, and enough to be like, <laughs> obviously, they have the network, obviously, from another perspective as an investor. Yeah. And, and now I'm getting more involved in that world as well. I yeah. can see the, the trade off. But from one perspective, I was like, you're not taking 40% of my business. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so going through that and then the extension of how long it took me to raise to get the money necessary and then somebody reached out to me and just wanted to buy the company. I'm like, hell yeah. yeah. You know, I was like, <laughs> cool. Cause I kind of fell out of love out of those physical product business models just because of the, the time frame it took to become profitable three to five years. I'm like, Oh cool. Yeah. Uber's zero yeah. to a billion. And I'm waiting three to five years to pay my bills. I'm See, like, that's mm. one thing that doesn't resonate with me. And that's why I look for businesses to purchase as opposed to starting businesses because you know, sometimes businesses are profitable. Somebody's getting into something else. Somebody's retiring and the opportunity just resonates with you. Um, and that's not saying either that you have to quit your job and go buy a business. You know, mm-hmm. a job can be a means to an end. A job can be very fulfilling for your whole life. You can move up in a job. You just have to be creative. Think a little outside the box, outside your comfort zone and get a little bit outside your comfort zone. You can make a company more money. They're going to give you more money. More, most people want to get paid first and then they're like, oh, if they paid me more, I'd do more. No, go out and do more. And then it's going to be so easy to convince them to pay you more. Mm-hmm. So easy. So you can progress in your job. You can be very fulfilled, especially if you're working for a company or with a company that you believe in or that you just love the people around you. You know, and that's a big that's a big thing. So, you know, I did that for four and a half years at the treehouse and, uh, the rest is kind of history. I'd always been a stock trader and, you know, I'd make a couple thousand bucks a year. I was always green every single year. And uh, I was just like, man, I just, I want more. I love being a personal trainer. I love it at the treehouse. But if I keep doing this, I'm going to be working until I'm 75 years old. And mm-hmm. you know me, I wanted to retire. You know, it was always <laughs> yeah. my goal before 40 to retire. At least I thought that was and what it was. And you did yeah, it. And you did it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm like, I remember watching a video from Tony Robbins. He was on either Larry King Live or Piers Morgan, the guy who replaced him. I can't remember, but it was 2013 and the video was from 2008. So five years had already progressed. And he's sitting there in 2008 talking about Tesla at 25 bucks a share. And uh, 
He's like, you got to look at what's five years in the future. What in the future is going to be five years? What in the future is going to be big five years from now? You know, it's like we see people, they they go into college because like, oh, nursing's big right now. That's, you know, there's jobs available. But by the time they get out, it's four or five years later, maybe six, you know, that's been filled and it's on to the next one. So what's going to be big five years from now? And he was talking about Tesla. I look at my phone at my at my uh, E-Trade app and like, damn, that's at 150 bucks a share. Like, holy crap. You know, it's like 600%. And so I'm, I'm walking out. I'm like, what, what is going to be big five years from now? And Colorado had just gone legal with marijuana. Oh, right? Or they were getting ready to January 1st. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, that's it. That's like, it. That, <laughs> instantly I knew. It took like a week, you know, and that's another sign of the universe working with you. That's amazing. Anyways, it's like I, I looked and I'm like, man, all that exists are these shitty penny stocks, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, these are garbage companies. Like, these are crap or they're just straight up scams, you know? And I'm like, well, that's all there is. There's going to be some hype built around it. And I've lost enough in penny stocks, you know, to <laughs> to know that they're going to get pumped at some point. So, <laughs> man, J- January 1st came and even a few days before that and through like March or April – I made like 2000%. I took $10,000, which was my life savings, plus a $3,000 loan. And I spread it out over the five that I thought that were like the best, you know, and I remember getting a buddy into it and he's like, you need to sell this. This is the worst company in the world. I'm like, dude, trust me. It doesn't matter right now. Like it's just the hype. It will crash at some point. And that was the hardest point is finding out when it would crash because I was up over $400,000 and I ended up walking away with 250. Mm. I lost 70 grand in a day. Wow. 70 grand. My yearly paycheck in a day I lost. Yeah. So that one, uh, that one I lost some sleep over, but Mm. I still came away ahead. And then what motivated me was one of my clients at Treehouse, their husband paid their house by trading penny stocks. So I'm like, I want to do that. I want to pay my condo off. And so what caused me to sell was, you know, after taxes, I'm like, if I lost any more, I won't be able to pay my Mm -hmm. condo off. Mm -hmm. So I sold, you know, and I was good. I paid my condo off and, you know, um, Another one of my clients around the same time, we've been talking trade ideas to her husband, you know, Mm -hmm. and that ended up being my first business partner. They hired me as a consultant because I'd talk, you know, people, you know, tell you, you know, what's going on in their life when you're a personal trainer and you're almost like, we we would joke, we're almost like therapists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they had this employee that was making like a hundred grand after bonuses and he just showed up late. He left early. He literally gets a list of things to do and he wouldn't get them done. And I thought, well, you need to fire him. Like you need to get somebody else in there. Mm-hmm. He's making a hundred thousand dollars. He better be getting there early, staying late, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then doing everything you asked and then some, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like that's the mentality he should have. And then what happens? He gets fired and he blames everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Take accountability for yourself. Look yourself in the mirror, be honest with yourself. So anyways, you know, I told him like the average operations manager with a college degree makes $54,000. You're double paying. You're going to be able to put $50,000 back in your pocket and have a good employee. So they ended up hiring somebody even, you know, less, less expensive. And they put like 60 grand back in their pockets. They're like, yeah, we want to hire you as a consultant. Come in once a week, be a second opinion, you know, look at some things. Tell us what you think. I said, hell yeah, an hour a week. And I'm getting, you know, an extra thousand bucks a month. You know, I'm like, that's a no brainer. Plus, uh, I like the guy, you know, mm-hmm. I, we talk constantly, we got along and then, um, you know, we, uh, ended up, 
I ended up buying into the company. He wanted to buy a couple extra trucks. And um, I was the initial goal was to buy his wife out, right? 50-50 partners. And um, didn't quite get there before we merged with a couple other companies. And then, you know, some disagreements with him and the new owner that the other owner that we merged with, um, my first partner got bought out, you know, so that me keeping buying into the company, you know, I didn't get as much as I wanted, but we just grew and grew and grew and grew. And, you know, we're at the point we're at now. And that's where I was able to retire, where I had enough income to train somebody to do what I do Mm -hmm. and back off. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing, which is an art form. Yeah. It's being an owner rather than an operator. Well, the other thing is, is nobody's going to do the job as uh, nobody's going to care as much as because he's doing phenomenal now. He's, he's just killing it right now. Um, And we're just uh, become a team, you know, I'm back, uh, I'm doing it part-time. He's doing it full-time. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we're just a team and and we've learned to cooperate with each other and work as a team. I mean, how much, how many hours a week would you spend operating the business? Right now? No, no, before you put him in place. Oh, it was 40 plus. I mean, it was, it was kind of inconsistent. It wasn't like get in at nine, leave at five. Mm-hmm. It was like meet somebody at six, do this, you know, mm-hmm. while you're waiting to meet somebody else. Or, you know, weekends, it's, you know, so we get, it's three towing companies mm-hmm. and we get abandoned vehicles. People just don't pick up their vehicles and it's a multitude of reasons. Either they're just really shitty cars, mm-hmm. send them to the junkyard for 200 to 250 bucks, or, you know, they got too many issues to fix. Um, it's not worth the tow fees. Uh, they got arrested, got deported, other things. Um, for so, you, for you, where was the valuation when you were like, okay, if I put this guy in place, yeah. obviously the, the amount of time I'm going to free up, but he's only going to be able to cap out at 80% of the effectiveness of yeah. productivity as what I would, because it's, yeah, that's business, what I did obviously. Essentially. So what, what, where, what got you to that place to be like comfortable? Because that's a huge thing for ABBA, for operating entrepreneurs, CEOs yeah. is like, no one can do this as good as right. me, right? And so it's kind of like an ego thing. Also, yeah. maybe a lack of being able to va- evaluate the situation, yeah. like unbiasedly of like, ah, yeah, if I say 50 hours a week yeah. and I'm still making money, I can go and do something else or I can, you know, invest in something else. Yeah. So I just, uh, one of my big things is accountability. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I I still felt myself being accountable to that part of the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was doing like 80% and there was like a new kind of like a different um, structure to it where we mm-hmm. cherry pick more of the cars that we would sell. We get about 130 cars a month that are abandoned, you know, so it's, it's a lot of vehicles to get rid of, you know, and uh, I just looked at the numbers and I, I think it was my fault for not, you know, giving more training, you know, but like I said, he's killing it now. Like he's just above and beyond anything I expected from the start, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I definitely have high expectations of people and myself, but it was just like, okay, here's my bills. You know, I, I handle my personal finances the same way I look at business finances. I want to know how much is being spent every month, how mm-hmm. much is getting put in every month. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's one thing that if you're not doing it, you should, you have to do, especially if you want to own a business, but in your relationships, in your marriage, you have to know that. And if you're spending more than you're making, you're just going to put yourself in a bad situation. It sounds so obvious, mm-hmm. but a lot of people, they look at their bank accounts once a month. You know, I'm probably looking at it once a day, mm-hmm. you know, so I just saw like, okay, um, I'm getting burned out on this. It's a lot and I don't like it. So I'm, I'm going to be able to make more than I spend and not have to work. And it's funny just because of the mindset that now I'm back doing it and I kind of love it. 
you know, I, I kind of love it. And, uh, with the new, with the new automotive shop, you know, it, it, it just kind of all worked out. I was looking at businesses for probably eight months between brokers and bizbysell.com. And this was the only one that stuck out to me and, you know, being ready for an opportunity, I pulled the trigger and it was just like, everything felt right about it. Everything looked right. And it was the only one I sat down with the business broker. He starts laying out other businesses. Mm. You know, I'm like, sure we could schedule the next day. It was kind of like, the job interviews as a personal trainer. So I cancel all those. This is the one I want. I know it. There's no sense in wasting time. Let's just Let's see just where this one brings Yeah. So not only that, but it's four minutes away. Mm-hmm. It, so they're, the, the businesses are four minutes away from each other. Oh, how, how could that work out any, like if the universe isn't working with me, how could that work out any more perfect that I'm mm-hmm. able to do both? Mm-hmm. You know, so now it's just like, yeah, get up at, you know, 6 a.m., 5.30 a.m. And it's, yeah. Get the job done. And you so, know? so I want to break this down for our listeners because I, sure. I'm, yeah, I'm all about truth, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Truisms regardless. And so if we were to map to where does the money come from in this country, it's one, intergenerational wealth, and two, investing in businesses, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if your goal is to gain wealth or become rich or whatever word you want to use, you know, that has to do with accumulating more numbers in your bank account, right. then investing in the business is the most effective way, period, right? Investing in assets. Investing in assets. Anything that, yeah, which businesses I think are the most profitable. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, you can invest in stocks. The problem is you don't have control over that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can invest in real estate, you know, which isn't necessarily a business, but mm-hmm. it could still bring you disposable income, which I love it. I and I'm sure property. real estate is on the top list, but one and two is intergenerational and then investing in businesses. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's all I want to go off of. But going, totally. going back, also stocks is a part of that, obviously the mm-hmm. stock. But it's businesses that yes, you're investing in. Yep. So going back to what you said uh, mm-hmm. originally where you're talking about stocks, what is what is a tactic, a tool, something we can give the listeners of like how to find because saying yeah. project and become a visionary overnight when you have zero experience in becoming a visionary because you're yeah. a day-to-day employee and you're you're barked at orders all day and you just take those yeah. orders is like it's really hard to be like, uh yeah, I'm gonna invest <laughs> in this Uber thing, even though I don't use it, even though it's not a part of you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so what 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 practical advice do you have for people who are getting involved in, in yeah. stocks and as a stock trader? So I would say, number one, get ready to lose money because that's how you're going to learn. So don't put anything in that you're not willing to lose because that's <laughs> how you that. learn. I love that. You, you will learn by losing money. So be it's ready real. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that you're going to come away net negative, but um, get some form of education. You know, there's a lot of trading education out there. Um, God, most of them are scams, just getting the subscriptions. So I'm not going to name any, but okay. you could do your own research on that. And then uh, some some good advice that I read was invest in something you care about, especially if you're going to invest and not just trade the stocks, you know, um, invest in something you care about. One of the first ones I bought was Lifetime Fitness. It was LTM, Lifetime Management, and uh, they're since, you know, been bought out and gone gone private again. But, uh, you know, I cared about that. New York Sports Clubs, it was like Town Sports International Holdings. Those were two that I invested in. And, mm-hmm. you know, they went up a little bit. I made a little bit of money on them. So, uh, learn how to value a business, you know, um, marijuana stocks are always a big thing, even with like the Canadian ones. Now they went up huge last October and they continued a little bit. And then, uh, you look at a company like Tilray, T L R Y is the ticker symbol. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
they IPO'd, I think, at 16 or 18 bucks, and they went up to 300 bucks a share. What are they? Yeah, so it's a marijuana company. You know, it's like, yeah, Peter Thiel backed uh, Privateer Holdings. Um, Anyways. uh, And Peter Thiel is the godfather of Silicon Valley investing. Just a G. Read zero to to one. His book is one of the best entrepreneurship Oh, I haven't read it. I will, though. But Tilray, so they did like $27 million in revenue, lost money, and they had a $100 billion market cap. You tell me this company is worth a hundred billion dollars. They did twenty seven million in revenue, so it's like make sure you at least get stuff like that. You get the share structures and how they work. And is there a stock you're excited about right now? Not really. Okay. I mean, the S and P keeps going up. Mm-hmm. The Dow keeps going up. Obviously, they go up together, and it's just like there's no opportunity. I feel like, and I'm not really big on short selling, you know. So it's like it can go from what's it at. 2900 you know wherever wherever it goes to intraday it can go up to like 3500 and yeah you made a good percentage but it's just so high right now it almost feels like a house of cards and i think that's what everybody's thinking but mm-hmm. that probably means it's just going to keep going up so i don't know i would say just like anything you know it once once you get uh, a a good understanding of how the stock market works don't listen to anybody else like listen to yourself be a critical thinker you know, and uh, don't think that scams don't exist. You know, even in the New York New York Stock Exchange and Nasdaq, scams are everywhere. You know, so don't listen to anybody else. You know, it's like I always say, everybody else, you know, like your family members, they want what's best for you. Only you know what's best for you. Mm-hmm. You know, only you know what's best for you. Mm-hmm. So that was a big thing. You know, I think in my life is like my dad is a phenomenal guy. You know, he worked uh, 20 plus years on the railroad. Um, he lost some of his health because of it. You know, he was a marathon runner and now he bikes and he's actually thankful for that. He'll go on like hundred mile bike rides at 68 years old. And it's incredible. That's badass. Yeah, it is badass. But, uh, you know, um, his way of thinking and generational thinking is very different too. You know, I think our generation is smarter than the previous generation. I think our next generation is going to be smarter than us. Mm-hmm. So, you know what you want, you know what you need, you know your way of thinking. I just know that, you know, if I know myself, I know what I want, then my thinking is going to be the one to get me there. Mm-hmm. Nobody else. If anything, that can confuse you and it can, uh, you know, steer you off your path if you're mm-hmm. listening to other people. But way I can identify that that's solid advice is because it it's so practical. Yeah. It is. It's It's consume, it's learn this industry as much as you can right? Educate yourself. And then two was apply what you learned and look for opportunities based off of the market research that you're going to have to inevitably do. Unless you want to find somebody, a broker. And in that case, good luck. Like you're going to get three to 6% maybe on the, on the upside, you know, like you don't get returns like what you experienced. No. And that's maybe once in a lifetime, maybe not, but Mm -hmm. you know, if I wasn't willing to take the shot, I would have never hit it. I told myself I'm I'll be able to make back $10,000. It might take a few years, but is $10,000 keeping that safe and in the bank, is that really changing my life? Mm. No, I would regret it if I didn't put that 10,000 plus the 3,000 loan in there and it went up 2,000, 3,000, 4,000%. I'd just be like, oh my gosh, I was gonna. And that still happens. Like with Bitcoin, I was looking at that at 200 bucks with one of my friends 
and we never pulled the trigger on it. At the time, you know, I was getting uh, married and going on my honeymoon, so there were a lot of expenses I wasn't willing to lose money. So I'm okay with that, and I still made some good money on some of the cryptocurrencies. But uh, you're gonna you're you're gonna miss more than you hit. Mm-hmm. It's just concentrating on the ones you hit. Same with business. You know, you just focus on the things that work and and grow those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but cool. And I know one of your goals. Your lifetime goals is IPO. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I want to ring the bell. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want that. I told my my partner, uh, my my partner now uh, with the shop, I said, you know, we were thinking of names and I said, think of something that, you know, think of a name that would sound good listing on the New York Stock, Stock Exchange or NASDAQ, you know? And so we came up with Accuracy Management Group, LLC. And the business that we bought is Accuracy Automotive. And uh, it's just a four-employee four automotive shop, but it's profitable. And we're looking to build on that and grow it. And, you know, we, you know, constantly talk and put out there, you know, opening other shops in different areas or possibly buying out other shops and putting our name on it. And, you know, there's definitely growth opportunities with what we have now. And what we have to work off of with what the previous owner has built is phenomenal. He's done such a great job. And that's what I liked about it most is the character, the repeat customers and the current employees. You know, they're all loyal. They've been there a while. And all I want to do is get them to where they want to get to. You know, it's like Zig Ziglar said, if you ever want something, you know, just get enough other people what they want and you'll get that. You oh, know, that's beautiful. Yeah. It, it's like, that's, that's what you focus on sometimes people are selfish and they're focused on oh i just want to get my money and kind of like hug it and keep it close to me Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. give it away and uh that's another goal of mine is is, you know i always said when i was when i start making 250 a year i want to donate 10 percent of that to project hope for the homeless serving Mm -hmm. and getting served in return yeah that's that's tough for people to conceptualize i think the best book i ever read Besides Zig Ziglar, which is, uh, he's a phenomenal yeah. human being, is The Go-Giver. Okay. The Go-Giver talks about the fundamental universal law of service and how when you serve somebody, again, they become your advocate. Mm-hmm. And the better you serve them, the more of a raving fan they yeah. become. And then in turn, they're ready to serve or help right. in any way they can. And you don't do it transactionally. You just do it because, I mean, we even have a helper's high. We have a biological imperative to help others. And yeah. so if you haven't gone out of your way your entire life to try to activate that helper's high, then you're missing out, yeah, right? Like there's, absolutely. There's a, there, there is a sense of fulfillment that comes from from helping those who are less fortunate, yeah. you know, that don't have the, uh, the ability or uh, that need that helping. Right. Back. And so that's really cool. And as of now, we're, we're talking about, your, you know, your future of, you know, building a business that IPOs, mm-hmm. uh, also continuing to invest in stocks. Mm-hmm. What, what else is over the horizon? What else have you? No, I think it's going to be somewhere in the realm of speaking mm-hmm. or even podcasting or blogging. Uh, I love this. I love being on podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, right now my energy, you know, I'm probably getting into work anywhere between six and seven and then being done at like six or mm-hmm you know, maybe a little earlier, maybe later. So, you know, that's where my focus is now in the future. I've always thought of it as, you know, a good idea of something I wanted to do to be a speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that, I think we all have these blocks, like with it, with my wife, it was finishing school, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like, I don't think you're going to be a dental hygienist your whole life, but I think you have to achieve that in order to boom, knock that out and move on to the next. And for me, it's like that millionaire, right? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, uh, this time next year, you know, I'll be there 
And uh, barring anything going wrong or like an economy crash, which could happen, you know, could I'm happen. open to all opportunities mm. or all. Uh, I like how you said that. All, all opportunities. Yeah, all opportunities. All circumstances. That, was, yeah. that was a mistake, but it wasn't really an opportunity. Yeah, it wasn't really a mistake. So, yeah, exactly. Well, everything's an opportunity. It's like I talked with you before. I think you had a lot rougher upbringing than I did, you know, mm. with your experience. But the harder things you go through the more opportunity you have to inspire. Like, think of it. I'm some white kid from a suburb in Cleveland. You think a lot of people are going to connect with me? Maybe not, you know, whereas like somebody who grows up in in the hood or something and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're getting gunshots every night that they're hearing and they grow up and they, they're a multimillionaire. You know, people are going to just be way inspired by that. I think the most underrated or the most underestimated foe that we're going to experience in life and that isn't talked about very often is entitlement. Yeah. And I think if you can, <laughs> so if you, you can that. <laughs> overcome that, that entitled mentality, which is yeah. something that you could have had your, I still ge- have it. your genetic background, yeah. right? Your upbringing where you have the opportunity to take those chances and yeah. take those risks. Like you could have at every bend been like, I'm too good for, to work. Yeah. It's jobs. hard to I'm overcome, too, you know, at any turn, just been like, I'm not going to do the extra work. I'm not going to like, but you didn't, right? So what what did what do you do? That's something that I've I've never had in my li- in my life because of the example that I had from my father as a as an immigrant to this country. Mm-hmm. He had literally nothing. He was abused as a kid. His parents died when he was, you know, like he had to learn a brand new language and then he's had a successful business now for 33 years. Wow. He never great. had it. There's no excuse that he's overcoming all odds. Well, that's just it right there. Yeah. No excuses. Yeah. Like I don't care who you are, what you've come from, how hard of a life you had when you start making excuses, you start telling yourself no, like I can't do this, right? You need to I don't know. Seeing a therapist isn't beyond anybody. I've seen them multiple times in my life. I think it's great. You get somebody who doesn't know you, you get to go in and talk to them about anything without worrying about it. And it's just like, yeah, you feel great. Some of them suck. Most of them that I've seen have sucked, but uh, there have been like one or two that have been really good. Um, even in, you know, relationships, you know, but uh, dude, that's amazing. Back to your mental original, health. Yeah, like absolutely. Having, having that, having that soundboard. I've, I've even done enough research in psychology where they say, the reason therapy talk therapy yeah. is successful isn't because yeah. of the the ability for a yeah. psychologist to identify right. what like <laughs> your your traumas and shit. It, it's literally the the cornerstone of having a deep relationship with someone where you are unfiltered in the communication, where there's no expectation right. from that person and no judgment reciprocating or you know leaving your relationship like you're paying them <laughs> to listen. And when that bond is real that that's where the money's worth it. That's yeah. where the therapy's worth it. It's like you're jo- you're just able to talk with without masks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I could definitely touch more on that, but to get back to like the feeling of entitlement, like what I feel is I was born in 1984. So I feel, I think I'm a mix of like millennials and Gen Xers, whereas Gen Xers were a lot of hard workers building up the economy that we have today. Sure. And where a lot of the mean um, millennials may be considered spoiled and entitled, mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I don't want to work, you know, I, mm-hmm. and then I also think that, you know, my dad worked on the railroad and I was working at 12 years old, that blue collar in me keeps me working hard, keeps me grinding away. And I almost feel lost without it. And then moving out to Utah and it's much more white collar, it's IT, it's office jobs. And, you know, not to say that blue collar doesn't exist. So it's that balance where I do feel entitled sometimes, but I don't act off of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then at the same time, I'm willing to work with for everything I, 
that that I have or or I want to have, and 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 then I feel I deserve it. You know, I think that's true in the same sense that everyone has a specific amount of narcissism, right? Mm-hmm. Like. But your ability to observe and be self-aware enough to be like, this exists, but I don't let it be my knee jerk or my reaction everywhere I go. Hey, I mean, like, I deserve to be recognized by you. You know, my name's Matt. You know, I'm going to be a millionaire. Like, You know what I mean? That's why I say I'm just putting myself out there. If I could help one person, great. If I can help a million, great. If I don't help anybody, then maybe Mm -hmm. it's not meant to be. And I'm just kind of going. You're helping yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just think. I, I mean, it was crazy. I moved out to Utah and people are applying for jobs. They're like, yeah, I'm 21. So it's my first job. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Your first job at, at 20, 21, 18 yeah. even, you know, that seems old to me. And I'm like that. I actually look at that. And I'm like, I think that's so great to have an economy where kids could just be kids. You know, they can go through school, focus on that. You know, um, you know, I know people from my high school. They were trying to play sports and work so they could eat and their family could eat. You know, they were relying on their kids working. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm fortunate to not have had to do that, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's good to recognize uh, people, people want to play the victim mentality. They want pity on them and then feel entitled at the same time. And if you just always think like somebody's got it worse than me, you know, Mm. you take away that entitlement, you, you start to think like, wow, how am I having pity on myself? How am I, you know, uh, feeling like a victim, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's, I, I think on, man, one of your podcasts, you talked about our social environment, like in mm-hmm. our, our world now. And I, I think it's great. You know, I think of like mm-hmm. even a quote from the office with Creed Bray. He's like, I already won the lottery. I was born in the USA. Yeah, exactly. And it's so true. It's There's so, so true. much. So if you're complaining about anything, it's probably because you're watching too much TV. You're distracted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something's you're, distracted. Somebody's so selling you something, yeah. selling you yeah. an idea, and you're buying it. And yep. it's like E.T. hip-hop preacher. You know, Eric Thomas says, he's like, you can't sell me something that I don't want. Mm-hmm. So know what you want, you mm-hmm. know. And then if you're trying, you know, everybody's got an Apple Watch. Everybody's got an iPhone. And it's like, well, I'm broke. It's like, okay, do you really need that? You know, mm-hmm. where, where can you save money? You know, you're working mm-hmm. one job, go out and work two, go out and work three. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that really takes away the sense of entitlement. It's just being aware of it and then just thinking about others, you know, and it could be worse. You know, I think it's something like if you make $30,000, you're richer than like 90% of the people in the world. And I may but- be butchering that statistic, but no, it's something yeah. close to that. No, it's crazy. You know, so. Yeah. If you could give people awareness, that yeah. would be amazing. They have to learn this themselves. Yeah. But one thing that I I don't talk about a lot is the Fortune 100 companies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think 60% or more are owned by uh, first uh, immigrants or first generation immigrants. Oh, wow. That's an awesome statistic, actually. It's crazy. I think like uh, a little bit under or a little bit over half of the uh, Fortune 500 are the same statistics. So it's like if the experience of having nothing and coming from a third world country or not having the luxuries we don't have here. It's American like, dream. Just don't take that entitlement. They don't have entitlement. They're so grateful. It's amazing. And off of the most simple things <laughs> in this world, like spending time with the family, eating great food, like, yes. you know, having a shower, fed. having a bed, you know what I mean? Like just the simple things that we take for granted. That we take for granted because we don't have the newest iPhone that costs like, why does our phones cost a thousand dollars? You know, like, and then why? I'm screaming at it because it's not working because yeah. I'm in like a dead zone. I'm like, yeah. how spoiled am I? Oh, Oh, bro. And that's just human nature. We're so adaptive. Yeah. Like um, hedonic adaptation. One of the things that I, I love is the analogy. It's like 
if you don't know what it, it means to be human and how quickly we adapt, is there a reason that when you're flying through the air at 500 miles per hour, 20,000 feet above the ground, you're not like, holy shit, with your hands in the air? I like, kind of am. This is crazy. Like that's that's how we that's how we if we didn't have those adaptive capabilities which we can use in our favor if you went back a thousand years or two (laughs) hundred years with that cell phone but you'd be God oh my God you'd be God and so we're fitting this computer inside this iPhone was the size of like a building yep like what twenty five years ago but yep I love hearing those stories about immigration and just Mm -hmm. succeeding and you know it's kind of like that nothing to lose Mm -hmm. it's such like Oh man, you should be so thankful and grateful when 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 you don't have anything and you have nothing to lose because you could just go after anything. Anything, and it's just like that whole feeling with ten thousand dollars and a three thousand dollar loan. It's like if I lose it, great, I can make that you make back, it back. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like if you have nothing to lose, go after it, man. Like mm-hmm. there, there's now I have something to lose, and it's a completely different mindset. You know, I feel like I'm playing safer or mm-hmm. something like that, and. I don't know. It's it's those are the most inspiring stories too. Yeah, going into spirituality. So we're talking mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. We're just talking straight facts. There's no such thing as an overnight success. Correct. Right? Oh my like God. It, it takes ten years of <laughs> fucking work. Like I, when you hit a million, there's going to be people like, oh, he's lucky. You know, like I know it takes that. a little bit of luck. Yeah, like sure, sure, sure. But like <laughs> the amount of weekends, years you've sacrificed, yeah. right? Like literally years of your life that were not based off of escapism or not based off of weekend warriorism. You know what I mean? Like, like that, no one sees that, but they do see the byproduct of that. And so I get the idea of, you know, like the, the fact that we are human and that we are born, there's like one in a 14 trillion chance that this is, we're having this human experience. Like Mm -hmm. we are, there's divinity in every one of us. Right. And I get that as well. But there's just an interesting disconnect with people that that fall too far off that spectrum of like, it becomes this weird egotistical entitlement. Like, because I was born, I deserve everything and my desires. I'm like, great. Yeah. <laughs> like a line, you know, like yep. find your alignment, but know that you've got to put inertia and energy behind that alignment to get to where you want to go. It's not just going to come because you're you're thinking it. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, think and grow rich. Yeah, great. The secret, great. I, I think that's the biggest snake oil salesman scheme I've ever seen, like mm-hmm. seen in my human experience is the idea that I can sit down and I can manifest things just by thinking about them. And I, th- I think the difference is when Oprah talks about that, you know, and she has one of the, the biggest spiritual podcasts in the world, if not the biggest, um, what's called Soulful Sundays. She said, you do 90% you do 100% of what you can do and it'll take you 90% there and then mm-hmm. you let God bring you the 10%. It's so awesome that you say that. Like all those things I can connect with and resonate with so much because, man, when you said people people really only see the tip of the iceberg. They think it happened overnight. And one of my biggest role models is Paul Rudd. And everybody's usually like weirded out. Like why Paul Rudd? Like, yeah, he's a big name. He played Ant-Man. And I think his first big film was like Anchorman, you know, mm-hmm. and he wasn't even the main role in that. Will Ferrell was. But one of the things that I saw was I remember like laying on the couch and it was like an afternoon. I was home for lunch. I stopped home for lunch and there was an episode of Friends on and it was from like 1994. And I saw Paul Rudd on there and I'm like, Paul Rudd was on Friends? Like, like oh my God. Yeah. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. What was his first big 
first big film and it was like Anchorman, which was, I think it was like 2006 or 2008 or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's 10 years. Nobody knew him. Nobody knew what he was doing. Nobody knew he's probably, you know, a lot of those guys like wait tables and they get, they take advantage of any acting role they can get, you know? So, you know, you see 10 years of grinding in an incredibly competitive uh, field being an an actor, the, the movie industry. And then, and even, well, maybe bigger, maybe as big. Kevin Hart, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, dude, yeah. a, his story is crazy. Oh my god! And mm-hmm. just seeing where he, you know, he obviously started way before this, but along came Polly with Ben Stiller and uh, Jennifer Aniston. You know, it's like two huge names, and people think, "Wait, Kevin Hart wasn't in that movie?" Like, yeah, he was. Like, if you remember the uh, fake film crew um, for the fake VH1 True Hollywood Story, he was like holding the boom or holding the camera. Uh, for that fake film. And I, I don't even know if he had one line in that movie, but he came from there and look at him now in the movies he's in like with The Rock and how great of a, you know, rapport they have with each other. And He's the biggest comedian in the world right now. Yeah, yep. I didn't know that. I knew yeah. he was huge. Oh, so oh, he's the biggest comedian. <laughs> he, he, his goal is to be a billionaire. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So he, you only see the tip of the iceberg, oh, you know, and then it's like you say, you know, give 100% and it, it'll it get you 90% of the way there. One of the things that really helps me is I feel like overwhelmed right now a lot of the times. And I'm just like, you know, be the person that bears it all on their shoulders, you know, bear other people's problems and like lead and carry people with you. But in the end, it's like, give it to God, let God carry that. You know what I mean? And it instantly like takes that off of me. I just got chills. And that's one of the things. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Cause one of the things I have been struggling with a lot is death. You know, when you're not distracted by work and everything, you get time to think and it's like, I'm going to die one day. Mm-hmm. And that gives me motivation and it gives me a little bit of fear and I feel God, but I'm one of those numbers people, a squared plus B squared equals C squared. So for me, my logical mind yes. is like, whoa, really? What, what, you know, mm-hmm. what, what is it? What is death? So I've been really into like near death experiences. Uh, I read this book. Um, God, I forgot the name of it. This lady died three times in 1977, you know, and she traveled outside her body and, you know, she told that story, but it's just like, I've been so into that lately. And it's just like, kind of just uh, like exhaling and letting it be mm. and letting God take that. And it helps so much. It kind of resets me. It's, you know, and I think we all need that because it's like, we get overwhelmed. We get stressed out. Don't fear that stress. Don't stress out about stress. You know what I mean? Like, let God I'm take so that stressed stress. Out. I'm so stressed out. I'm stressed right now. I'm going to stress some more. Well, it's, it's like you get the Sunday so blues. True. You got to go into work and you're stressing out about all the things that you got to do tomorrow. And then you wake up and the day goes by and it's fine. And then you think about the last 15 years. It's like, yeah, I've had this so many times. That, oh, look, I'm still here today. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so what am I worried about? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just like, let God take that. And then you're to that 100%. And Oprah's brilliant. She is Oh man, is, is she a story and, and, mm-hmm. and inspiring? And, you know, I've never listened to her podcast, but those two things that you oh, said yeah. about people thinking it happens overnight. No, and that, you know, that's a millennial mindset. Yeah. I, I don't see a lot of Gen, Gen Xers yeah. who, who are like obsessed with the secret or manifest yeah. manifestation. It's like there's, there's coaches right there. Like I'm the, you know, I'm the manifestation coach and I'm just like, <laughs> Man, it's just tough, you know. Yeah. Like, is it the idea that I'm marketing to people and advertising to people to to be a, to build a business because that's an aspect of business? Like, I'm buying into their their yep. most you know like superficial needs, which everyone has. 
But like, at what point is there business ethics behind that? Yeah. Like, come on, dude! Like, yeah. you're selling, like, you're selling, you're selling snake oil, right? Like, <laughs> I love that it saying. doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen. And Get so, into the stock world, and you'll be sold a lot of snake but oil. <laughs> you deserve it. You know, yeah. like at the end of the day, everyone deserves what they want. But I think to tie everything we've talked about in this podcast is yeah. the idea that question and introspection of what do you want, mm-hmm. what fulfills you, and why are you doing it? Especially what you want. Because how are you going to plan out to get somewhere if you don't even know where you want to mm-hmm. be? You know, and, and, and then it's difficult enough when you do have at least an idea of what you want. Like mm-hmm. most people say, I want to travel. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Go travel. Like a lot of people will say, oh, I just, I, but I don't, why? I don't want, why? Yeah. Why do you want to travel? <laughs> That's a great like, question. Why do you want to, yeah. well, it's because people who have money say that they put that on their bio mm-hmm. and that fulfills them. What are you that person? What, why? Yeah. Like I, I'm in a place right now where I am so unattached to people's wants, <laughs> needs, and desires. Awesome. And I'm like, if that's what you want, do it. Yeah. And then tell me, and then, you know, give me the feedback, yeah. like how, what's going to happen yeah. after that? Go gain experience. And like, I think that's something that's not talked about often in our, in our culture is by when you're in your, from 16 until 30, yeah. try everything you want to do, try everything, taste everything. And the best way, the most articulate way I've ever heard it and the most like just beautifully expressed way is an author called, a, his name is Bo Lotto. And Bo Lotto? Yes, Bo Lotto. And it's, he wrote a book called Deviate. And he's like one of the biggest guys on um, our, how our perception is actually like not reality. And he's like this really, really crazy neuroscientist. But he's, his this book's a little bit dry, a little bit long, but one of the best things I've got from him is experience as many contrasting things as you can in this life to expand your space of possibilities. He's like, this is where creativity comes into play and is so beautiful. And so back, back to the idea of like meditation, mindfulness, what I was hoping we, we would get to during this podcast is that is one of the tools when it comes to Mm self-realization. Obviously, you expand your self-awareness, but when you realize what brings you alive and what you can do to fully, to to gain full self-expression on your path, meaning that during every turn and curve of this path of your life, you're fully Mm self-expressed. People understand what you want, what you desire, who you are, you show up in this way where it's like not divisive, it's not manipulating, and they can see you, they'll they'll be there to help you along the path, but you'll be fulfilled and the the process will be, which is the 99.9% of your life, will be fun. You can enjoy yeah. that shit. Yeah. Even in the times where you're like, man, I got to get three jobs now because I, I got this big audacious <laughs> dream. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but you'll enjoy it. So you won't have those things, but yeah. it does come to the idea of like, who are you? Who like... And people don't, they don't have the time. And when you're super stressed out, nor do you have the cognitive capability to introspect, your brain is yeah. like half part of your brain is shut off because you're in fight or flight. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so not downplaying that meditation. Like, I, I think meditation also, if we talk about entitlement being the biggest foe, are one of the biggest advocates we have. One of our biggest allies along the human journey is the stillness, is the mindfulness, is yeah. the, the the ability to amplify your in, your intuition. Mm-hmm. What's alive in you? What do you want to bring into right. this world? What well, What's your purpose? I think that's one of the best compliments I ever got from one person is she said, you know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, and that comes and goes, it ebbs and flows mm-hmm. and life changes and you change, you know, for the ups and for the downs. So 
it was weird. Like I, I thought I had all the answers, you know, and she said that and things change, you know, all of a sudden I'm out in Utah now and I'm a different person. And, you know, uh, I think you're absolutely right. You learn who you are and then meditation is great. But then also you talk about like action, you know, you you have to take action, but Mm -hmm. I think meditation, it's like, it almost comes out of nowhere where you're just going to take action and you don't even know it. You just have to. Mm -hmm. As far as like visualization, like imagine Mm -hmm. this, imagine a map and the map is, you know, there's a starting and there's an ending to the map to your route. And the route is your life meditation, self-awareness, things that you can identify who you are is that symbol where it's like, you are here. This Mm -hmm. is you, you're here. And without that, without that ability to like, be like, what do I want? Where am I? Like, you're just, you're, you're just running around that map. You're you're not there. You don't even know where you're at. You're at the corner of the map, but there's no identification where you're at. (laughs) You're just, you're running, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so, like, I am here. That's where you are. But you've got to define who you are, like, why you do what you do, the purpose in which you do. And these mindfulness techniques, these mm-hmm. different practices, breath work, mindfulness, yoga, like, all of these tools exist to, to cut out those external signals that aren't there for your benefit. Mm-hmm. They're there for somebody else's benefit. Yeah, absolutely. Identifying, amplifying you, a, a lot of the things, like, a lot of the ways that I identify another person, not by judgment, but by observation of, oh, you know who you are, is when they talk about externalities, right? When they talk about, oh, man, when I get my beach house, I'll be happy, right? Yeah. When, when, I, when I hit a million dollars, then I can be happy. Yep. You're not saying that. You're no. saying to do this, like to That's take the next step. Yes. Yeah. But like you can get what like you can be happy now in this state with everything you have in your life. You know, like you mm-hmm. can, like you're worthy yeah. of that happiness. You you don't need to earn yeah, inner absolutely. peace. You don't need to earn the inner peace. You can gain that inner peace every day by implementing these tools. Like you've lived your whole life on autopilot. Like give some, yeah. give me more than 30 minutes a day of trying to, you it's know, hard. get mindful. It's hard. Like give me, give it <laughs> to yeah. me. Like, like practice daily and to yeah. get this. And it just to package that up and add validity to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Tim Ferriss's books, mm-hmm. all of his uh, Tools of Titans, all of those books, he says the one underlying commonality between 80% of every one of those successful people who are impacting and changing and transforming this world is they have some sort of meditation or mindfulness technique. Yeah, That's, that's deep. Let's look at the people who are mm-hmm. there always always they're very similar too and every they all have the same mindsets they all the same practices if they're you know if they have daily rituals or practices and they all like i said have the same mindsets but you know it's just like you said like a beach house isn't going to make you happy Mm. happiness is a choice you know tony robbins says that as soon as you decide to be happy Mm -hmm. you can be happy let go of all that shit you know that Mm -hmm. you, you you think has like hurt you or affected you like or make peace with it you know go talk to the person that that hurt you and and say like hey like i forgive you you know you know how much power there is in that and how much weight is off your Mm -hmm. shoulders once you start forgiving people you don't got to worry about it anymore it's off your shoulders you it's gone it's out of your head but happiness is definitely a choice and are you going to enjoy the beach house if you're not happy anyways? Like, I mean, nope. it's just like the the work mentality. I'm going to be happy if I have more money. I'll do more if I have more money. No, mm-hmm. do more now. Be happy now. And then mm-hmm. you'll get more money. That's how it really works. Oh, that's, that you is know? the most, yeah, that is the, the most, 
efficient perception of, of reality. Yeah. You got to do to be, you've got to choose to be happy to like you yeah. can choose it now. Yeah. And like you said, with the, you know, the 80% or uh, the 80%, um, like Bezos came out and said the number one thing that he's ever done is, and he attributes everything to meditation. Oh, wow. I you didn't know, know that. The, the biggest company, the, the, maybe not the biggest, but the, the, the most powerful the company in many biggest years. when it comes to market cap or, or valuation, sure. Amazon, you mm -hmm. know, this guy is telling you that, why would you not listen to him? Like, <laughs> If I'm not listening, shake me, you yeah. know, because I need something to click in my head. Even in but, the spiritual community, yeah. look at Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. He was homeless for <laughs> how long? He wrote yeah. some of the most impactful books yeah. in that space, and he was fucking happy, you know, yeah, like absolutely. He's so that guy's so zen, and his inner peace and his emotional regulation is out of this world. To wrap everything up, what's something that you're learning currently that's maybe counterculture? Maybe even taboo and yeah. like what like what is something right now that maybe not a lot taboo. of taboo. Oh, it doesn't even matter. Counterculture or something that. Well, counterculture. I think it's a part of our culture. Oh, uh, okay. Our culture okay. is social media. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to force myself to get into that. You know, I haven't. It's made not it. going anywhere. Oh so. no, <laughs> my Instagram. My wife. I'm five years older than, than her, so she jokes that I'm old. She's like, I'm embarrassed that you still use Facebook and not Instagram. Like, you're getting old. You're funny. like an old man, and I'm just like <laughs> dying from it. But I don't think, uh, man, taboo, um, anything I'm learning, you know, that's another thing my wife says is follow the rules. Really? Always follow the rules. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you don't follow the rules, you're going to get caught. But so... Oh, man. I mean, even I, breath work is counterculture. Like you're you born oh. you you're born you breathe. Yeah. No one no one it's like you know, know goes out of their way to learn more about <laughs> breathing. Like I already know yeah. how to breathe, but no, like it, it is like you're yeah. you're actually the the majority of the population is not breathing correctly. They oh, they yeah. anatomically are taking Myself shallow <laughs> chest breaths rather than deep you know belly breaths. It's amazing is, what a deep exhale can do to your stress exactly. level. And even on the eye watches now, mm -hmm. they have like this thing for like one minute. Sit there, close your eyes, and breathe. Yeah, I was talking to somebody, a, a guy from Ohio that was out here that mm -hmm. I hadn't seen in probably eight years. You know, he's telling me about that. And I'm like, that's insane. That's awesome. And that then there's so like cool. this calm app where it's like, take 30 seconds and it's mm -hmm. got like rain playing in the background. I'm like, that's super important. But yeah, but look, look, so look at where, yeah. so for me, when I look at businesses, I look yeah. at where, where everything is going, the attention uh -huh. going. And then I look for counter forces. Yeah. So, so everything's going IT and I'm focusing on the blue collar industry. Yeah. Right. I think that especially right now, even with jobs going to uh, tech fields, uh, plumbing, uh, electrician, stuff like that. I, I know a guy who's making 200000 a year as awesome. an electrician, you know, and nobody thinks about that. And the schooling's shorter. It's cheaper. Colleges are overpriced. In my opinion, a lot of bullshit and fluff, Ooh, you know. That... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but uh, Dropping I... some bombs. <laughs> oh, no, it's true. But uh, I definitely appreciate my college degree because when I got my CSCS, a Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist, as a personal trainer, you needed your uh, bachelor's in anything in order to sit for the test. So I don't regret that. Um, but I think, man, look at the student loan debt. Like, that's why I say they're overpriced. Like, and I don't think people realize, you know, investment, that's an investment in yourself and you're coming out of school with $250,000 in debt to, you know, make a $30,000 a year where you could barely serve. That's poverty now, especially in Utah with where real estate's at and costing, cost of living. You have no idea to. how, um, how 
like deep I am in in what you're saying. Yeah. The average student loan debt is $47,000 across yeah. the board, okay? So 47,000. We live in a time where now more people have college degrees. So when you're going to an app through an application process, yeah. the reason you got a degree was to separate yourself. Now you're <laughs> not separating yourself. Now yeah. it's normal. Now the amount of money that you're you're behind, the amount of the statistics that show that you're actually in a field or career based off of what you went to get your education through academia, mm-hmm. 75% of people do not have that career or yeah. are not in that field. What the f- Yep. What are you spending yeah, your money on? Like, what is, just because of c- culture, yeah. because that's what everyone was doing. That's yeah. what your parents were taught to do and their parents were. And so now you're, you're falling victim yeah. to this idea that this is what I need to get to the next step. Yeah. And, but I think there, there's a silver lining. Like when you say, one of the things that you said that I loved was gaining the confidence. That's so yeah. fun. Like you need to do things to gain confidence. Confidence mm-hmm. doesn't come yeah. just from you thinking and saying affirmations in a mirror. Confidence comes from doing, going through hard processes and coming out on the other side successful. It's proving yourself over and over yes. and over again a little bit more. A little, yeah. And that's why I say like, I don't know, I told you, I surround myself with people who are a little outside my comfort zone, right? Because mm-hmm. if it's too much outside my comfort zone, even if I'm mountain biking, they're waiting for me at the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. where if it's a little, I have to get better to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. You know, same with business. It's like, you know, my other two partners with they're already, you know, beyond where I'm at. And it's like, I got, I feel like I got to play catch up and it, Mm -hmm. it motivates me. It's like, it's possible. So my world consists of those people. That's why you say, you know, the breath work is outside of the norm or taboo. It's like, Oh, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. Not in my world. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just like, that's normal to me. So maybe, I don't know. I try to, you know, stay away from the norm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? If the 99% and the 1% are separate, you know, and everybody, you know, in the 99% is doing this, I want to do it the other way. You know, I want to, it's like you mentioned before, uh, I label it counteraction. You know, what is everybody doing? Try doing it the different way. What is everybody thinking? Try doing it the opposite way. You know, the counter, counteraction, the counter way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I read that in a book called Eco Shamanism. And I think that's Eco Shamanism. Eco Shamanism. That's yeah, it's James Enderdy. And he's like, God, it was a while ago, but he's like a, He's like a white guy who's a shaman. He's like accepted by the tribes, I think. And he's a shaman. And he talked about counteraction. And, you know, I've always kind of, even in, you know, arguments uh, that other people are having and they'll tell me, I'll be like, I wonder what's the other side of the story. You know, there's always two sides. I wonder what they were thinking. And, you know, 99 times out of 100, an argument is just a miscommunication. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I don't see it as taboo. Uh, just because I feel like the people that I surround myself with are just, uh, that's what they do, you know? And yeah, blue collar, I think, you know, the trades, that's, I think, the way to go job wise. But just, man, go with what resonates with you. You know, don't don't force it, you know, go with what resonates with you and take action. And it's almost like easy Mm. Once, once you're there and, and you feel something that's and it's know. like physics it's just inertia you're just moving yeah. the momentum's eight there eight months looking at businesses i had one mm. stand out to me i went and got that one Boom. that's it no questions mm-hmm. you know it's just i knew it i felt it and that's where i wanted to go i love it well i appreciate you coming on the podcast matt where can people find you oh well i am on social media a little <laughs> bit uh my twitter account is at lig beyond meaning life is good uh nice. and then uh my instagram um 
LIG Life is Good. And I think it's, um, I think I just changed it from Matt the Trainer to LIG Life is Good. So um, I am going to be doing more with that. I am, um, I'm going to start a blog, uh, mostly about business and uh, my Facebook, I'm just Matt Kirchner, but I keep that more of my personal side and friends and family. But mm-hmm. if you want to, I'll be friends with you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be man. friends with anybody. But I yeah, appreciate... thanks for having me on here. Yeah, thanks for showing up on a Sunday. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> That's it. Thanks for tuning in. If I brought you any value today, please subscribe for notifications of next week's episode. I would truly appreciate it. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Connect to our community on social media. We are building a tribe of self-actualized grow getters. Those that implement the practice of lifelong learning, understanding it will catalyze self-actualization, the ultimate production of the human spirit. Find your baseline and grow every day. Till next time, advance. Make the rest of your day the best of your day.